Hello, I'm Marie Sneijman. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others. Today's topic is communication between body, mind and soul, listening and understanding. My guest is Dr. Helene van Diemen, core regeneration therapist and holistic life counseling therapist from Pretoria. Welcome, Helene. Thank you. So good to be with you again. Thank you so much. It's good to see you. To our listeners, after our conversation, Helene will give us her three best tips for everyday living, and then it will be fun question time. Helene, you have a PhD in holistic life counseling, and you've studied more therapies than I can remember. And you've developed your own course called Core Regeneration. Yes, correct. Tell us why you do what you do. Well, somebody asked me that the other day, and uh, the short answer is curiosity. I became more and more curious the more I learned, the more I studied, the more I wanted to know. And so eventually I landed up doing Core, um, writing Core, and um, I love it. It is my passion. Um, I love teaching it and I love practicing it. Yes, and we'll come to what it is a little later. Okay. Today we're talking about communication and we all know the value of effective communication between ourselves and our loved ones. But for some reason we seldom think about communication between our body, mind and soul. So why would you say is it important that these are connected? Well, if you're disconnected from your body, um, your communication obviously then is um, blinded. So you can't understand what your body is telling you. Your body is always trying to communicate. And if you disconnect from that communication, you can no longer effectively Uh, use your body's systems to be an efficient, well person. Yeah, and I think we we very seldom look at that. I find that with my clients, that that is a problem, is the disconnect, because we we trust the mind, um, but the mind is actually your interference. Um, You have to have the thought first, but the, the knowing is actually in your heart and your gut. So we talk about the trinity, which is body, mind and soul, also head, heart and gut. We'll come to that. Now I'd like to ask you about the concept of core energy and around this you developed your courses. Yes, um, we developed the course but we also developed a workshop that is like the basic understanding of core energy. Um, and core energy for us is that, that central self, that understanding of the deeper things rather than just the, the day-to-day doings. Yeah, and if one thinks, if you say core and you think of your body, it also goes to the center of your body for yes. that. But how does core regeneration work? Okay, so we use a method that some, some other therapies also use uh, called a muscle test. So we set the test up before we start any therapy 
Um, we use permissions, so we ask permissions through the muscle test. And once we've got the permissions, we have a method through which we actually um, run through a series of questions to get where the body wants us to be. Is it the body that needs to give permission? Body, mind and soul. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and also the higher self, or what we call the universal in integrity. Um, so that's basically the higher mind um, also needs to give permission. So we do, we ask everybody whether everything is good. <laughs> it's very respectful. <laughs> it is. You do work with sacred space. Mm -hmm. So you have to be respectful. Mm -hmm. And for someone who has never heard of kinesiology or muscle testing, how does it work? It is truly the easiest thing to learn to do. The main thing is that you trust yourself, trust what you get. Not trust your knowledge, but trust what you're getting from the person on the bed that you're working with. Um, but it's very, very easy. And which muscle do you use? For the you can use any muscle that is available. You can use a leg, you can use an arm, you can use your fingers if you don't have a leg or an arm, which means you're probably working over a distance. Let's talk about your view of disease. Uh, it seems to me then that disease does not only happen to the body, but that the mind and soul are also involved. Okay, we can sit here and talk until doomsday about this because it's a very, very interesting aspect of what we do. But uh, in short, disease is something, in our opinion, that happens before it happens in the physical body, so i.e. either soul uh, or mind, i.e. emotion. So there are genetic pass-downs of understanding and consciousnesses that we react to. There's been quite a lot of research um, done about people who, for instance, were in traumatic events many, many years ago, so great-great-grandfathers or great-great-grandmothers, and their experiences, especially traumatic experiences, those experiences are passed down genetically. So we find ourselves struggling with something, for instance, like diabetes, depression, that kind of thing. Um, I'm not saying that's always what it is, but it definitely can be passed along uh, the genetic line. So that's one aspect of it. The other is emotion happens before physical happens. So the body responds to the mind. It's not necessarily that it's not the other way, but it generally emotion happens and then the physicality happens. So you're manifesting in your body what you are experiencing in your mind. So maybe you think a thought and you react with an emotion of fear and then you feel it in your body. Absolutely. And then uh, emotional disease, how does that fit in with, or is it, the, is it the phase that precedes the physical disease? I think emotional disease is something that is a very delicate subject. People are very sensitive about it, but uh, in one of the uh, courses that I did some years ago, my teacher said, any emotional disease is unresolved and unmanaged emotion. 
True or not, the fact remains we are at the moment struggling with so, so many people that have difficulties with what is called emotional disease. And can you heal it? Of course you can. You can heal anything. But it won't heal until the person is ready to be healed. Sometimes it serves them to be sick in whatever way. Mm-hmm. And it sounds very cold, but it, it, that is really how it works. It serves you for whatever reason, and, and so the changes won't happen. Yeah. Would you equate emotional disease with mental health? I think so. I think um, obviously there are always loopholes for everything, but yes, I think emotional health and mental health are very closely related. Yeah. yeah. Someone said this week to me that why do we call it mental health? Because that makes us think that, you know, as they say, it's all in your head. Well, It isn't, because there are so many aspects of any emotional slash mental health. I mean, for instance, we we do know that the gut plays a huge role in our emotional well-being. I mean, we can go into that for a long time as well, but the gut is very, very important in our emotional health. So how your gut actually functions has an emotional impact on your mind. Yeah, and and this is important to me, the whole question of emotional or mental disease, because people tend to stigmatize mental health problems because they think there's something wrong with that person's head. Yes. And that's not true. No, it isn't, but it's a long time coming. I mean, uh, you know, for yourself, people thought you were mad and therefore you were stuck in a place forever or you died in in institutions because you were that mad, you weren't, you know, you were dangerous to society. Um, Today, I think, and I'm happy to say that there's a much greater understanding of mental slash emotional disease. Yes, and it's wonderful for me to to find out that, for instance, like you say, your gut is involved. I hope that will take the stigma away. Certainly, I I hope with you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Now back to the body, mind and soul and how they communicate. Uh, To get a clearer idea of body, mind and soul, how do you see them? It is one thing in my mind. It is the same thing. Um, as I said, we call it the, trin- the trinity. So, but the mind is the instigator. It starts uh, by giving you the thoughts. And if you are disconnected from the rest of yourself, you don't get the knowing and you don't get the trusting. So it, keeps, it becomes the monkey mind. It keeps running around in circles. And it it really is a very, very difficult situation to change until you start understanding how your body-mind works. Because we can't separate it, but we do. We sort of um, disregard the heart and the gut area. The The mind is the interference. So which signs will show us that you, your mind is disconnected from your body and your gut. Let me give you a little example. I did a session on a lady. Um, she was lying on the bed, and one of the questions 
one of the answers I got was there was a problem with her ankle. She was wearing uh, long pants, so I couldn't see anything. And I just asked her, is there something going on with your ankle? And she said no, several times. Cor wouldn't let me go on because it kept on taking me to that point. So eventually I pulled the pants up and she had a huge raw operative sore. And I asked her what that was. Oh, she said, yes, that's an operation I had and it's not healing. She was completely disconnected from that. If I ask you there's something wrong with your ankle and you say no, mm -hmm. under these circumstances, there's no connection to your body, which means she probably doesn't even really feel pain. Um, and that happens a lot. Mm. That happens a lot. Thank you for the example. And on the other hand, how do we know when our body, mind and soul, or you call them, head, heart and gut, yes. right? when our head, heart and gut are communicating effectively? I think you will be in contact with a person who is calm and comfortable in their skin, makes choices easily and decisions easily, and who moves through their life with faith and trust. That sounds like a wonderful idea. <laughs> Wouldn't we all love to be like <laughs> <Yeah>. that? <laughs> now, Helene, what gets in the way of this communication between head, heart and gut? A lot of things can get in the way. Stress, anxiety, fear, uh, medications. Um, I am not saying that you should never take medication. Please don't misunderstand me. But... People love taking medication unnecessarily. Uh, I haven't been to a doctor in over 27 years because I don't need medication. If, however, I should need medication, I will take it. But I trust my body and my mind to be in such communication that my heart can give me the information. I see. So you've just talked about uh, your one client who, who didn't know really how much her ankle was hurting. And now you're talking about the, the other way to go. In other words, that you can have a knowing, yes. that you will be sensitive and that you will know what to do about it. Absolutely. Yeah. So we would like to know more about that. Okay. Um, do you want to know how one would communicate or what exactly would you like me to, to explain? I was thinking if we can go with body, mind and soul and, and see how we listen to each and just get some information from you on that. Okay, so as I said, the mind is the interference but it is also your first port of call. So it's the first thing that happens is your thought. Your reaction comes from body and, well, your heart and your gut. But you're not always aware of that reaction. So let me give you another example. Should you have had an accident where a dog bit you, for instance, when you were two years old, and then another incident with a dog that hurt you or frightened you at, let's say, five, and another one at the age of nine. Now you're 40 years old, you sit here and far away, a dog barks and you suddenly experience panic because your subconscious is saying there's danger, there's danger. You have no idea 
that they, that that is what is happening. You only experiencing the panic and the anxiety, which means you haven't resolved your worry and your fear around dogs. If you had, there wouldn't have been that kind of anxiety, or you would have recognized the anxiety and thought, okay, where is the dog barking? Mm. Why am I having this reaction? Because you are understanding that the body is reacting to something that the mind, some conscious, but the mind is picking up. I see. Does that answer yeah. your question? So that's how, that's how we can listen to the mind. Yes. With, with insight. Absolutely. And very often it's just like you said, the monkey brain or the washing machine that goes around and around and exactly. keeps us awake. Yes. Are there practical ways to help us listen to the mind in a different way? There are. I think everybody has heard of meditation. It's very effective. Breathing techniques, which is my favorite, I think breathing techniques helps a lot. Um, it helps us to be able to listen without the mind a little bit. We can't shut off the mind, but to I always think of meditation as allowing the children to go and play while the adults work. <laughs> so that's more or less what, what I think about meditation as well as breathing. So while you're focusing on your breathing, you're allowing or giving your body the space and the time to give you information while the brain is otherwise occupied. Mm -hmm. Which it always is. Yes. Yeah. Also when we sleep, I suppose. Also if we have effective sleeping, yes. If we don't have effective sleeping, we wake up a hundred times during the night or we have uh, restless sleep so that we don't have uh, effective sleeping and we wake up tired. Mm. And then we come to the body. How can we listen to the body? You have touched on it a little bit. Okay, so listening to the body, every part of the body uh, in our work represents something. So for instance, I love working on knees because knees really talk to me. Knees are about um, rigidity, uh, flexibility, um, not being on your knees enough or being on your knees too much, but it is about literally standing up. You can't stand up if your knees are weak. If you have a problem with your knees, you may have had a problem with rigidity or inflexibility for a long time because the body is very forgiving. But it always wants to be well. So it will always give you the information through pain, discomfort, anything like that. So if you do experience it, let's say in the knees, then ask yourself the question, about being too rigid or not rigid enough or inflexible or any of those things. Very interesting. And then listening to our soul? Listening to the soul is a little bit more tricky, but it basically boils down to trusting your intuition. Um, that is a very basic answer. There's a lot one can discuss about this. But if you trust your intuition, you start listening to your, your other self, your higher self, your understanding self. So I always tell my clients, if you want to develop a better understanding of your intuition, trust it enough to take a different route. 
because you feel you should. There might be no other reason than just that. But if you start trusting it enough, it becomes more powerful and, and more accurate. And where do you think does the intuition sit? Because I've read that it might be in your gut or it might be in the, in the third eye region or where would you... Yes, for me, it is you. It's you, the whole thing. It is you, yes. Yeah. Yes, you are the unique spark of the God consciousness. So everything about you is everything that is out there. And that is what you need to trust, that magnificence of, of being human. It is an unbelievable creation. And if someone has no idea where to start, what would you tell them? How does one grow quiet to get in contact with your intuition? Because you have other voices. Of course, too. yes. So one of the things is, for instance, meditation. And I know a lot of people say I can't meditate. I was one of them. And we used to do something called meditation, tips and techniques. And we had a lady who said, no, I can't do it. And I want to see if somebody can teach me to do it. So a simple, simple technique, very simple technique that we used with her. And she's meditating all the time. So, and she's loving it. So it is a question of starting to understand how your body reacts to different things. So you might need a visual, something visual, to focus your mind, to focus your, your concentration, so that you can actually just move into that quiet space. And in the quiet space you can hear what comes from yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Your soul. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that makes it quite practical. Then, somewhere you wrote that the body-mind system was created with all the necessary resources to heal itself. Can you explain what you mean? We're born with all those resources. We are born with the knowledge of ourselves and what is around us. We have forgotten. Um, and we've forgotten because there's so much that has happened in the world, all the medications and the, um, uh, the doctors and, and the people who will help us. So external help. So we don't rely on ourselves any longer. We don't rely on what we know. That being said, I mean, those things that, that have been developed are amazing because once you actually have a physical problem that has manifested, you perhaps need somebody to set a bone or you need somebody to give you something for, for a runny tummy or whatever. But the fact remains that if you really understand yourself and your, your inner workings, you should be able to pick it up before it happens and feel it and understand it and then do something about it, whatever that may be. Yes, that's what you said about illness or disease manifesting in, in your emotions first. So if yes. you get that sense of dis-ease in your emotions and you can find out what's going on there, then, as you said, you could do something yes. about it. Exactly. That being said, the human is one of the most complicated beings on the planet, so it's sometimes not that easy, and we need a little bit of help. We need to go and see a psychotherapist, we need to go and see a medical doctor. Those, they are there for a reason, and they are very, very helpful. But the first port of call is yourself. 
you need to be able to understand if you are struggling with um, anxiety, for instance, to be able to go deeper into that particular anxiety and see what is causing it. Why is it there? Is it the time of year? Something bad happened that, you know, when you were 12. Um, is it because you just met? Family is a big deal, so you've just been with a family member that you've had an argument with. Those things create reactions within the body-mind. And if we understand them, we can manage them. We can't take away any emotion. You're born with it, but you need to understand it. So it seems to me it's a long journey. As you say, it's very complex, as life is. And it's a journey of becoming more aware. I think so, yes, definitely. I think awareness is everything. If you, awareness and intent are the things that I think one should base your life on. So what is your intention with anything and what is your awareness of anything? Um, and I really think if you can understand those things, you could have a much easier life. Mm. Yeah, and that means you don't have to make quick changes or dramatic changes in your life. Like you said, uh, you might be seeing a therapist that's helpful or you might be treated for something that that has come a long way. But if, if you start becoming more aware and looking at better understanding and at your intent, then you can shift your life in other directions. Exactly. Maybe more healthy directions. Exactly. Gradually. It doesn't mean those things are going to go away, but you yes. might be able to manage them better. Yes, and I always find understanding helps me a lot. Absolutely. Making sense of something. I agree. Oh, I'm not just stupid. There's a reason <laughs> for that thing. Like that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Now, if you look at your own life, Helene, how has the ability to listen to head, heart and gut, how has that helped you? From teaching core now for many years, people seem to think that I don't have the things other people have. Oh. <laughs> I do. I get anxious. I get fearful. But it, it doesn't cripple me because I can go and sit down and think, okay, what's this now about? Uh, what is causing me to feel this way? Why am I running around like a red ant? Uh, and then just take a little bit of a step out of the reaction and understand what it's about and understand um, what I can do about it. And if I can do something about it, I do it as quickly as I can. If I can do nothing about it, I need to step out of it, put it down. And that really has helped me a lot because I was a very, very, very anxious person as a young, as a young girl, um, which I'm no longer, thank goodness. Um, but I think the youth of today live literally on adrenaline. And it's not healthy. Mm. It's not healthy. So if we can learn to just step out of that anxiety through understanding, I think we can help a lot. Mm. because it really has helped me tremendously. Mm. I remember years ago you gave me very good advice when I asked you for help and you said it's so simple that you must make lists and, and look at the things you worry about and one goes into 
I can do something about that now in that section and the other one goes into I can do something about that later and the other one goes in I can't do anything you see, I'd like that <laughs> and I did do that for I think it was you said a month every day and it really helps a lot fantastic excellent yeah. thank you yeah. <laughs> yeah. and another thing that you told me which helped a lot I wanted very much at some stage to write a story for a magazine, a piece of fiction, and I just couldn't get around to it. So you said to me, just 15 minutes a day. And okay. that worked so well, because it's not too daunting. You know, okay, you can tear yourself away from things and go sit out for 15 minutes, <laughs> but then sometimes that becomes an hour. Well, you know, I can be very wise sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. I just wanted to illustrate that that when you talk about the core regeneration and what you do, it, it really gets very practical. It is very practical. I'm a practical person. Um, I am not a, yeah, I'm a practical person. So I like things to make sense. I like things that I can actually do something about. And that is why I wrote core, really, was about making it practical and easy so that you don't have to go through a myriad of things in order to get to a small little understanding. And obviously all of us have had life experience and the life experience can add to all of this. It's not something, a lot of the stuff that we do is not something we learn from books. It's something that we've experienced in life and now we're learning how to deal with it in our day-to-day -day lives. Yeah. I want to ask you about the workshops you offer, but uh, please tell us when it is, it is for somebody who wants to, to practice it, you know, and have uh, clients, and when it is just for someone to enrich themselves or both. Okay, so the workshops that we have, are, we have a workshop called Crystal Magic, which is about using crystals. But it's just a workshop. So it's something that you can take home and you can apply in your own life. It's not really, if you already do a therapy, you can add that. Understanding core is, uh, or the core energy is literally um, a forerunner of the core courses that we do. So it gives you a little bit of a taster for what they are about. So that's a separate workshop. That's a separate workshop. And that workshop really gives you some practical information as to you know, how to um, ask questions from yourself and get really good answers, how to manage your anxiety a little bit, um, we, what we call changing mood in a minute, so we do a little bit of laughter therapy, we um, show you how you can refocus your mind, things like that. Um, we do a little bit of meditation. Uh, we teach you a little bit about tapping energy, that kind of thing. So it's just a taster for the core courses. The course, sorry, the first course, Core Regeneration Module 1, is actually all you need if you want to do therapy, if you actually want to practice it. Um, it is, it's a very big manual. There's a lot of information which makes people worry already before they even start the course. But... The method is so simple. The main difficulty in any of the core courses that people have is trusting. And if you, if you can't trust anything outside of yourself, like you are working with a muscle test, if you can't trust that because it's an answer you're getting from your client, you're going to find it difficult to do the therapy. 
but it's very, very, very easy. It's a three-day course, and um, you can do it. You can practice it when you leave. The cool thing about core is that it becomes your unique therapy. You can apply it any way you like. There are certain things like our permissions, non-negotiable, because of, as I said, you entering sacred space. Um, for the rest, if once you understand how it works, you can do whatever you like with it. There's no rule. The worst that can happen is that it won't work. So it depends on your intention. If the, your intent is about your ego, it'll stop working. If it is about really wanting to help, it'll work like a charm. And do you have other courses then? Well, it's the modules. We just have core one, two, three, and four. So two is about meridians and nadis, and mainly meridians though. Three is about crystals and color with a lot of um, psychological sort of understanding of color. And then four is about the genetic pass downs of energy, of uh, traumas, things like that. That really fascinates me because I did read somewhere that there have been studies concerning, for instance, generations ago who experienced droughts or mm-hmm. war, and that, that really influences people Absolutely. down the line. Absolutely. Um, I mean, if you, if there's a company called, um, I forget the name, but they have been researching that kind of thing now for, well, 50 years or so. and. People who, for instance, went to, um, who were involved in the Holocaust, three generations later, those children are suffering from claustrophobic fears, from depression, from unmanageable anxiety, from trouble with eating, eating disorders. All of that having been passed down through the generations especially the third and the fourth generation. Um, and they're struggling with what doesn't belong to them. So once they can understand it and they know what it is, they can do something about it. And so that's part of your core regeneration course? Yes, yeah, that is especially the fourth one. Yeah. But they, some of that is in the first one. Yeah. It sounds quite complicated to me. It isn't. It isn't. <laughs> it really isn't. And then the other thing I wanted to ask was about crystals, because some people, you know, if, if they know nothing about the use of crystals, how would you explain it? The crystals, first of all, color has vibration. So the crystals have different colors. And if you believe in nothing else, understand vibration changes things. So if you have a a slow vibration, you bring a slow vibration into a person's space, they might feel calmer. If you bring a higher vibration into somebody's space, they might feel a little bit more energized. Um, That, at a very basic level, is how one can use crystals. So, I mean, sound is vibration, color is vibration, and the stones are from the earth. So Lee, really, the lady who helped me write Core 3, she qualified as a crystal and color therapist some years ago, a health styles center for that course. She did very well, and she's very, very thoroughly aware of what happens with, with crystals and how you use them. 
So uh, I don't know. Does that answer your question? It does. Because, yeah, because I think for some people it just sounds like a woo-woo thing. Yes, I think one can make it a woo-woo thing, but the fact remains, vibration is energy, energy is vibration, and everything affects everything else. Yes, and, and if one thinks about how we are affected by, by sound, for instance, yes. I mean, so, some music you just can't listen to if, you, you know, if, if, if you're not used to it, because it really puts you in a, in a, in a very anxious sort of yeah. mood. So interestingly, my son uh, used to listen to some music. I don't; it's got a name, um, but it was horrible, clashing, terrible music for me. He loved it, but mm. we, when he was listening to that, he became extremely aggressive and difficult to deal with. Mm. Everything has an effect on everything else. We cannot be separated. Mm. Uh, I mean, from anything because yes. of energy and vibration. Yes. Yes, so yes, crystals work. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And you also provide other services apart from the courses. Well, what we do um, is uh, something called breath and meditation, which we do on Thursday evenings. You know, tips about breathing exercises that you can do. So we give various um, techniques that you can use. Then we also do the next phase of that is exercises with breath. It's like stretching exercises with breath, and then at the end we do a short meditation. So that's one of the things we do. We do house clearings. We do um, therapy, obviously. We do therapy. Yeah, you have to explain, because people wouldn't necessarily know. <laughs> so if a person wanted to experience a therapy session, they would come, lie on the bed, um, and I would sort of explain. It's difficult to explain, because... People find it very difficult to understand the concept of I am uh, playing with your arm and I'm getting really accurate um, information. Um, it is truly going into the higher self, mine as well as the person on the bed. And then we find what we need to know because the body will tell you what you need to know. It might not be what the client thinks they want you to know. But it is very safe because it has that sacred understanding of certain things are not ready to be dealt with. So it's a, it's a process through which the body gives you what it wants you to look at right now. Yeah, and to me it's, it's non-invasive. Not at all. You've been. Yes. You know. Yes. <laughs> it's non-invasive and it is respectful. Yes, it should be. Yeah. Yeah, and I think when it's difficult to understand, you can demonstrate. <laughs> so yes, feeling is believing. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. I was going to ask about your Thursday evenings. Are those online or here? Online. In, um, well, they can come in if they like, yeah. but we don't have a lot of space. Yes. Some people do prefer to come in, one or two people, but we do it online mostly. Yeah, and your therapy? Can you do that online? Yes, I do that online as well. Yeah. That's very interesting. <laughs> mm. Where can listeners learn more about your work? They can go to our website. Uh, it's www.coreregeneration.org. Right. I'll also attach that link to the podcast. Thank you. And then you said you could give us three tips for everyday living.
So, uh, as you asked about quietening the mind, an easy little practice is to sit with your feet flat on the ground, sit up nice and straight, close your eyes, and hold your hands in your lap open, and allow all of the monkey mind stuff to fall into your hands. Just wait and see what happens. What else can we use? Um, Laughter to me is one of the most important things ever because it changes you on cellular level. It changes what's happening on cellular level. So it's very important that we at least, at least laugh five times a day. Laugh, not giggle. So if you are feeling down, if you are feeling things are getting on top of you, watch a funny movie. Go and see a friend with who you can really laugh with. Uh, very important laughter. There's a lot of laughter therapy going around at the moment. Go for it. Go for laughter therapy. It's brilliant. Okay, do things that are fun. Uh, what I do sometimes tell my clients is go and do something that takes you out of your normal day-to-day -day living, something that takes you out of your comfort zone. Go and do a belly dancing course. Mm -hmm. Um, go and hike if that's not something you normally do. Go and do something that you find hiking might be a tricky one. It gets hot and sticky. Um, but fun, something that makes you laugh, something that brings up that feeling of joy. Thank you. And now it's your fun question. <laughs> okay. I see you like doing adventure runs. I used to, before, um, before the whole lockdown thing. We used to go every Wednesday and do those runs. Yes, loved it. If you could join an adventure run anywhere on Earth or in a place that's not on the Earth, where would you love to go for a run? <laughs> My soul, that is a really difficult... Hmm, let me think about this. I would love to run, if it is not on Earth, I would love to run on clouds. I've always wanted to run on clouds, <laughs> see what it feels like. I know it, yeah, anyway, that's what I would love to do. Uh, on Earth, well, anyway, really, I love nature, being in nature, trees, water, any of those things. I, I love those things. I never loved running. I don't run, I walk. Um, so I walk really fast. But I found that walking with these, uh, with these races that we did, if you are going for the end result in terms of time, you lose all the beauty around you. So mm. slow down and take some mm. notes. Mm. <laughs> thank you. And thank you for unpacking a complex subject. Thank you for having me. To our listeners, thank you for joining us. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone you care about. If you'd like a more fulfilling relationship with your beloved, if you wish parenting could be easier, or if you're interested in upping your emotional well-being, you're welcome to visit my website, mariettesneyman.co.za, for free articles and podcast episodes. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me, and the music is by Mark Marie Sneeman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9 